the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. If you have kids, of course you love them, and you would do anything. And you I mean, want them to have the best. Boom. you do anything you for these kids. You want to launch them well. Heck yeah, right? I you have... want to see them as the smartest, most well-accomplished. Yes, and their life is before them. So what are you going to do? Hey, Dad. Mom, I want to go to college. All right, of course you do. Because I went to college. Mm-hmm. Grab it, right? Yeah, and we know how smart you are. Mm-hmm. And we want you to go to the very best college mm-hmm. that you can get into. So if that very best college right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is Carnegie Mellon. That would be a thrill because what a terrific college Carnegie Mellon is. Yes. I'd be thrilled for my kid to go to Carnegie Mellon. So what your an smart honor. Kid, your smart kid gets accepted. That letter comes in. There is jubilation. You sit down and you're going to write that first tuition check to the tune of $77,000. First year in, $77,000. And you got to look forward to three more years. Of that 77000 Article in the Trib, Carnegie Mellon tuition among the highest in nation, inches higher because that $77,000 next year, CMU, has approved a 3.2% oh tuition goodness. increase. Now look. That's sickening. That's sickening. So if your child is that brainiac and fortunate to go to Carnegie Mellon, when that said child graduates... The hope is, boom, they're into the gig economy, and they're mm-hmm. going to make 100K out of the box. Okay, but think of how long you're going to have to make 100K out of the box and how much you're going to have to pay to get rid of almost $400,000. Yeah. Almost $400,000 No, no, more than – because you figure interests compounded over time while you're paying it off, right? So what about is uh, – Food, residence listed. Here's how it breaks down. Tuition cost, $57,560 just for the tuition. Then they have something called the orientation fee, 400 Activity fee, 270 Transportation fee, 277 Media fee. This will tell you the state of media. Media fee is only $10. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I you know, it. media people, you can take them or leave them. I can do that $10. Yeah, bucks. fine. Technology fee, 440 Room and fees, Room and fees, $9,210. All right. That'll bring you to the grand total of $77,000. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, Well above the national average, according to the College Board Tuition Room and Board fees, uh, the average cost for a year of college across the country, $49,870. this is absolutely untenable. This is economically stupid. Now, I'm sorry. That's at four-year private universities. Uh, for public universities, it's a bargain. 
at $21,950. 21000 Okay. Now, here's the deal. Um, a lot of kids get scholarships. Which is terrific. Uh, at Carnegie Mellon, 14,000 students plus snared $105 million in need-based mm-hmm. grants and scholarships okay. annually. All right. But here's the thing. If you haven't gone through the college uh, ringer yet, I can tell you that the single most frustrating thing for my husband and I is when we took our first daughter to her first college visit, they couldn't tell us how much tuition was. Right. Okay, so the question, how much does it cost to go here, is greeted by, uh, depends. Give or take. Now, that's ridiculous. Like, there has to be a cost that you hear from a school, in my mind. That it, this is how much it costs to go here. Well, why couldn't and they tell you? Because, well, it depends on, like, your, how many, you know, like, you could apply for scholarships, or, like, maybe you have financial situation, or maybe there's some money available, or maybe the university sees some reason why they'd really like for you to be there, and then... I mean, it's like they're made-up numbers. Right. It gives you, as a parent, zero confidence going in there that there's an actual thing you're paying for. You're just—they're making up numbers. So, whenever you tell that story, and then for a lot of people across the country, when they hear Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders talk about student debt loan forgiveness, right? You and I, or whatever, people n- shake their head and go, "Yeah, count me in." Okay, I think that's a horrible idea. I think student, student loan, loan forgiveness forgive. is a horrible idea. I think it's unrealistic. The problem is not student loan forgiveness because if the government gets into the policy of forgiving people's student loans overall, then all the tuition costs are going to do is go up and up and up and up because well, it's going to be government's going to be keep paying. Well, this is what had happened anyway because whenever the federal government got exactly. into the loan that's business, when, that's when all the things started. All right, the then costs the colleges started, go. All the costs started going up. No, the problem is on the cost end. And the problem is on the transparency that universities should extend to potential students and parents. Right. And another thing I I think is really important is that high school teachers give their students an opportunity to see what a college tuition is going to cost them, how much they're going to have to pay on a monthly basis, how much they might expect to get in a job, and whether it's worth it or not. Because for a lot of pe- for a lot of people going to college right now, and I hate to say this, is not worth it. You got that right. It's yeah. not worth it. You're never going to make that money back. Plus, to show the options that are available. Hey, I mean, you know, people say this all the time, but of course, the trades are available right. at a much cheaper cost. Right. So, and there and there are brilliantly intelligent people yeah, who are. are plumbers and electricians and whatever. How about your furnace guy? Oh my. You met my furnace oh, guy. I did. He's I liked him right guy. away. He's third, an excellent guy. Third generation of the yeah, same right. company. That's a good family business. Yeah. I just, if you're looking for a school, of course you want to look for a school that's rigorous academically. You want to go to a school that's going to provide a good, strong moral or spiritual foundation, depending on what your perspective is. But I'm also, but a close third is someone that's going to sit across the table from you and tell you how much money you're spending and for what. And there are very few colleges that do that. Yeah, we started the show off a Gosh, little hot. See, now I'm not? just so hacked off. Why do we have to talk about that? Hey, we got a big show for you. I mean, a really grief. big shoe today. A big shoe. Yep. Josh Brown is with us in a few minutes. Pastor Josh Brown's going to talk about justice. We're going to talk about those who can't help themselves during the four o'clock hour. Stick around. There's a lot more ahead. 101.5 WORD. 
This week on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll exposes our insecurities. Someone put it well, we're not who we are, we're not even who we think we are, we are who we think other people think we are. If I had the power to change anything within the ranks of fellow Christians, it would be this. I would ask the Lord to make all of us real people. Hear Chuck Swindoll Monday through Friday on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at textrules.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated marketing text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Tom from Kane 11 and I have one question for you. What size socks are you wearing right now? If you're like everyone else I've asked, you simply don't know. How could you? That's because until now, socks were made in one size fits all or just a couple of sizes to fit every size foot. But not at Kane 11. We make our socks in 11 individual sizes from 7 to 17. That's right, 7 to 17. Great looks and colors to fit everyone's lifestyle. From cotton to wool or anything in between, Kane 11's got the perfect sock for you. Better yarns, better quality, just a better sock. If you don't love them just like we do, send them back for a full refund. That's the Kane 11 promise. Once you wear a pair of Kane 11's, I guarantee you'll never go back to wearing socks in multi-size ranges again. Save 20% off your first order when you text SOCKS to 246810. That's text SOCKS. To 246810. Text SOX to 246810. Shalom. Hi, I'm Abraham Sandler, the leader of Rock of Ages Messianic Jewish Congregation. I've also had the joy of leading worship, especially Messianic Jewish worship, for many years. How would you like to go on a tour of Israel with me? We invite you to spend time with Jesus and his people in his land. You'll have time to hear teaching, worship, and pray at many significant locations throughout Israel, including some not on other tours. Early registration ends soon. To go to our website, rockofagesmjc.org. That's rockofagesmjc.org. You know the uh, end-of-year words, right, the, the end-of-year list? I believe that uh, last year, or maybe it was the year before, the word of the year was justice. You hear an awful lot about justice. Which Everybody is wants it. Yeah, of course, right? We need justice, do we not? Josh Brown is with us. Josh is the pastor at Belfield Evangelical Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood of the city of Pittsburgh, here to talk to us about that word, justice. Hey, Josh, welcome back. Hey, guys, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Good. Josh, isn't it weird? We're all so desperate for justice, right? But I don't think any of us who are in America today, at least, let's talk about our own country, can agree about what the standard of justice would be. And it seems like the only way that we're figuring out how to deal with it is we're doing the call-out culture thing where we're dispensing our own. 
I think that's right. And I think part of the problem is that, like you said, Kathy, we don't we don't always even know what we're talking about when we say we want it. We're not even sure exactly what we want some of the time. And then when we're having any kind of conversations or debates about it, people aren't even always using the word the same way. And it's they're importing different kind of meanings to it. It makes the conversation really, really difficult because it, you're not always meaning the same thing. You're not always basing it on the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're not aiming at the same target. Right. And all of that, I think, just uh, creates so much difficulty in trying to talk about some of these things or trying to pursue them. So, Josh, no, not to put you on, on the hot seat, um, it's an awful lot to ask. Is there a biblical definition of justice? Well, yeah, and even before we get to before we get to that, I would say that, that there is there's certain certainly some people debate about. But as we're talking about it, and even in the direction you're going, I think is helpful. There, there's a tradition that goes as far back as Aristotle when you're talking about justice and in making a distinction between what he would call universal justice and particular justice. Mm. So the idea of universal justice is concerned with uh, just kind of pursuing virtue as a whole, um, following general moral laws and principles kind of at large, so there's this kind of deep sense of justice, if you will, which is just kind of where you're going and where I want to come back to with the biblical idea. What he would say, Aristotle, this idea of particular justice, then, is how it is that we actually interact and relate to one another. So that's when you get into making sure that there's just equitable distribution of things and fairness in laws, and, and that is the level where I think most of the people are having the debates and the arguments. Um, but one of the reasons it's so complicated to have that is you've got a different, deeper sense of it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that broader, deeper sense of, okay, well, what is, what is justice? Mm-hmm. Then when you get down into the particular examples and say, well, how is it that two people or two groups should be relating to one each other in this specific context, you're coming at it from an entirely different place. Right. So, so, right, so there's no agreement. Okay, so take us to the deeper place, the deeper sense of justice. Well, I'll try. Again, I'm, I'm not offering any of this up as, as an expert or anything. And I want to acknowledge, again, it's a, very, it's a difficult thing. Yes. Um, biblically, this idea of justice, though, is, I, I, I'm just kind of offering a definition here. It's, it's rightness that is in a line with God's character. Uh, so it's a way in which the character, the holiness, the righteousness of God is, um, is evidenced. It's practiced. It's there in a way. So that that's the anchor point, though, is that it's not just it's not just what do you, John, think is just, Kathy? What do you think is just? What do I think? And if any of the two of us agree, then the other one's out. Um, it that you no, know, there's there's a sense in which God has said, as He did in Leviticus, "Be holy, because I am holy." There mm-hmm. is there is something that we can point to and say, okay. And, and I know those aren't pure synonyms: holiness, justice. Right? I'm not trying to say that they are. But it, it, there's a way we can say that's where we need to look. That's what we want to see. If we want to see what it looks for things to be in the right, which is what it means, really, uh, that's where we look. Godly justice. So if we want to see what godly justice is, we have to look at God himself. We do. Yeah, that, that, it has to start there. And that, that is a deep, deep well. There's uh, a lot there, obviously, who God is, his character. Um, but then when you look even in things... So, I mean, we'll keep it in, in kind of a biblical framework here. I know a lot of people will go to that passage in, in Micah where he said, and he, hey, God has shown you what is good. Mm-hmm. What has he shown you is good? And one of the things he says is to do justice. And people love that verse. And, it, I mean, it is literally a banner verse for a lot of different things. But then they'll import, uh, not, not all the time. I don't want to pick every, everyone with the same kind of brush there, but 
they'll say, well, this is what I think is just in this particular situation. Therefore, that's that's what I'm doing. Um, without seeing, well, is, is this really a reflection of what it is that God mm-hmm. has shown to be just? Mm-hmm. Okay, now, it is. Yeah, Sorry. okay, so I, I get what you're saying, that the only way to see what true justice is is to look at the one, the only one who is truly just. Right. Um, I think that that I think that's foundational. I wonder now this this is a, this is a hard question, but are there opposed? Are there different perspectives that can both be just? So if you're looking at an issue and people are coming at it from different perspectives, can both be just, even if they're not the same? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's a philosophical uh, question, is it? I guess it is. I was just thinking. I had a. I've had an ongoing. Well, con- yeah. Give me. Give me an okay. example. If you have All right. One. So, so for example, this is a political issue, which of course yeah. puts it maybe in a little bit more of a like a, an atomic situation. But I've had an ongoing conversation with one of our listeners on email about minimum wage. Okay. And his his contention is the same contention that Pete Buttigieg talked about maybe two or three months ago, which says, look, if you believe in God, then you believe in raising the minimum wage. Because God says that there should be justice, and so we should raise the minimum wage. Right. And I'm not saying I'm against raising the minimum wage. I'm just saying that one doesn't equal the other. So I think there are different ways to pursue justice for the oppressed, and some might include a raised minimum wage, and some might not include a raised minimum wage, depending on what your philosophy <laughs> is to approach the issue. So I'm wondering, people who look at it differently, can they both? Can their perspectives both be just? So you're talking about... Is there such a thing as a gradation of justice? Yeah, I, a gray zone, or or is it just that we look? Is it the way we look at something humanly is just so different than how God right. looks at things? Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I have a quick and, and easy. Yeah. there isn't a quick one. and easy uh, answer for it. I know, but that. it just it, no. it sort of compels the complexity of what we're talking yeah. about, which we are, are you know can barely grasp the intensity of it and the power of it. Right, and so I, you know, I was, for example, um, I was reading recently, and in some of the ways, some of the times when, when Martin Luther King Jr. was writing, for example, and he was talking about injustice, um, and he wasn't the only one who would do it this way, but he would say in, an act of injustice is when the majority, whoever the majority is, uh, imposes upon the minority, either through restrictions or requirements, something that they themselves don't have to follow. You, you would say that that's unjust on mm-hmm. kind of whatever whatever frame you're talking about, yeah. and I think that's a there's, there's some helpful way of thinking about yeah. it. And yeah, I don't yeah. know that it always has to follow a majority minority thing too. It could be those in power and those who are vulnerable. So if those who are in power impose either restrictions or requirements upon the vulnerable that they themselves don't have to follow, right. you say, well, that's not. I mean, I mean, a little. <laughs> Uh, you know, a small child would be like, "Well, that's not fair," and, and I think that's the same. I don't want to again. I don't want to start mixing up terms here, but um, so that I, maybe that kind no, of that's an good. angle. That's good. I'm starting I, to think about the yeah. the minimum wage sort of thing, for example. It's well, is is that whether it's increased or not increased, is that an act where a group that is in power is imposing something upon those who aren't that they themselves would not follow? Mm-hmm. And, right. and that, maybe that's the way to ask, like, "Well, is that?" Is that just? Josh Brown's with us, Belfield Evangelical Presbyterian Church in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh. Okay, so Josh, you know, this conversation makes me think about, you know, years ago when uh, the courts were trying to decide what pornography was. Mm -hmm. Someone famously quipped, you know, well, I can't define it, but when I see it, I know what it is. 
Yeah, that was Justice Potter Stewart. <laughs> okay, so there's, yeah, yeah. So you can also, and, and maybe I, I think it, adhere that to what is justice, um, right? It's so. It's hard to define, but when you see it, you recognize it. I yeah. get well, what maybe think? not. No, yeah. because then you know different different people or social economic groups would disagree on what justice is. So how do you define what it is? I mean, it, it, there's not is there a blanket for all of that? Yeah, that's um, the. I mean, people kind of tease uh, Justice Stewart about that at the time because uh, on one, it's simultaneously that that statement is one that simultaneously makes sense yeah. and sounds ridiculous. Right, you know, right, right, right. Kind of both. You say, "Well, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it." Um, I want anything. That's crazy. But then, yeah, I kind of understand what he's getting at, and I think that I mean the the kind of. The difficulty in that is that there is just a, such an intense level of subjectivity to it of, well, yes, I, that is, to me, just or unjust. And, and you may be right. You could be spot on. But there's got to be something that you can compare that to that's beyond just yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so uh, I guess the Supreme Court, right, the law of the land, mm-hmm. chief justice. I mean, there's a chief justice on television I'm even as right we now. speak, right? Mm-hmm. right? So there's yeah. a justice there. Someone has the ultimate authority, or a group of people have the authority here in the United States of America to decide so, what is just. Right. right. So, right. But I don't know if they're deciding what is just, or they're, or maybe a more ideal way of looking at it is that they are trying to implement justice. So they're I not mean, trying to define it; they're trying to implement it. That's that's probably a helpful distinction, which is uh, similar to the Aristotelian thing I was talking about, mm-hmm. universal in particular. They're not trying to say this This is justice at a universal right. level. They're saying this, this is what the enactment mm-hmm. or the distribution of justice in this particular case. Yes. And, and what's interesting to me about this Supreme Court, which I think is you know, a justice issue as well, is more often than not it feels as though the Supreme Court chooses not to make a ruling where they'll kick it back to a lower court, and they're essentially saying, hey, figure it out. Which I think is also interesting. Yeah. So, what about when God says that to us, Josh? Figure it out. When he, what, what when God says, figure it out. Yeah, because well, I, every most justice issues aren't spelled out in Scripture, right? So we get we have to look at the lawgiver himself and the one who is just, and then we have principles that he's given us. But it's not like there's anything in the Bible that says you know you need to raise rule the, number one or raise the minimum wage, for right. example. Well. Okay, so again, not to keep coming back to this thing, yes, I think that it's true that we need to figure out what that looks like in a particular situation, but there are certainly consistently clear things given to us in Scripture. For example, uh, if we're talking about, if we're talking about um, inter- some kind of interaction between people, and minimum wage is that. I mean, it's a, it's a commercial interaction, transaction between people based on goods and all that. So on some way, there's some things we can look at and say, well, is the way that I'm treating this person... Reflecting the truth that they are created in the image of God is this, per, especially um, Paul says, you know, you're going to act that way towards somebody for whom Christ died, especially if this person is a Christian. Uh, is this acting towards them in a way that reflects the truth that they are created in the image of God? They are someone for whom Christ died. Uh, they're a brother or sister in the Lord. And I think those are some of the first questions to get at. Uh, is this simply treating this person with honesty, with integrity? Uh, is there the honesty in my motivations on these things. Um, some of those things, uh, those, those are questions that I think you can apply to any kind of a situation. They're going to generate some different answers, perhaps. Um, 
but that's those are I think starting points that we can see where God has given us to say, this is what it looks like for you to interact and live and be with one another. Uh, these are at least some of the these are at least some of the non-negotiable kind of starting points. Mm-hmm. Reverend Josh Brown, pastor Belfield Evangelical Presbyterian Church in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh. Josh, tell us about Belfield. As you said, we're we're right in Oakland, uh, so we're in the midst of the hospital uh, communities here, right next to a couple of UPMC hospitals, right near the University of Pittsburgh, Carnegie Mellon, uh, just down the road from Chatham, a few other places. So uh, it, there's it's a good opportunity to just be able to work with and alongside people who are in various periods of studies or. Uh, people who are in the hospital. Uh, so we've got a good group of people here, it's an intergenerational group, um, trying to find ways how we can care for the Oakland and reflect Christ. Very nice. Josh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for, for being with us and having the uh, the wherewithal and the courage to just try to mix it up and find some uh, some equal ground for all of us. What is truth? What is justice? What is all these things which are hard to identify unless you're really working into a biblical perspective or, you know, just a philosophical ancient perspective. It's a, it's a very complex thing we're trying to do here, so we appreciate you being game. Yeah, my pleasure. It is tough. I'm, I'm just somebody like you just trying to see if we can do this in ways that honor the Lord and demonstrate His love to those around us. I'm into that. Josh Brown, Belfield Evangelical Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Hey, uh, stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the coronavirus may interrupt your Apple iPhone. Hey, non-attorney spokesperson Bailey Greer Law Firm with principal offices in Memphis, Tennessee. If you or a loved one had a hernia mesh implanted after 2010 and experienced complications that required a repair or replacement of hernia mesh, you may be entitled to substantial compensation. Hernia mesh implants can cause serious complications that require additional surgery to remove or replace the hernia mesh implant. If you had hernia mesh surgery any time after 2010 and experienced complications that required a repair or replacement, call 800-631-7610. 800-631-7610. Across America, it's snoring season. 90 million Americans make this sound every night. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Introducing an ingenious Australian invention called Mute. Mute is a comfortable nasal device that helps you breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. Put snoring season to bed, America. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more. Snore less. Sleep better. It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84. Elevate your leadership game at the L3 One Day Conference, a day to grow your leadership, your network, your future. 8 to 4, Friday, March 13th at the Marriott, Pittsburgh, North and Cranberry. Join L3 leadership founder Doug Smith, nationally known master communicator Jeff Henderson, and Pittsburgh business leaders Laura Ellsworth, Greg Weimer, and Bill Strickland, who will inspire and train you and your team to reach your maximum potential. The L3 One Day Conference, Friday, March 13th. Register while you can at L3OneDay.com. Get smarter every day at Ozzy.com. 
Try a new news site that tells you about the most interesting people, places, and ideas. Discover the next Obama or maybe the next LeBron James. Try Ozzy's online quiz today and you could win two free tickets to anywhere in the world on United. OZY.com. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com the word fm mobile app iheart tune in and at radio.com tonight partly mostly cloudy low 22 tomorrow rather cloudy high 39 cloudy tomorrow night low 25 friday mostly cloudy high again 39 there could be some rain or drizzle friday evening Saturday, rain and snow showers with little or no accumulation, high 41. Sunday, clouds giving way to sun, high 40. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Hey, uh, just a a programming note. Just want to remind you that uh, this evening around 6.39, space junk is supposed to fall on Pittsburgh. So Mm -hmm. just heads up. Because a collision could be happening. Right, no point. Now, it could be... Coming close. Like, it could be like a slow motion situation even now yeah. as the junk approaches e- each other. You know, if, okay, best you know, best case scenario, say you're outside, yeah. we're walking out to our car, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden we hear <laughs> clunk, and you walk over, and like there's a piece of metal. If you claim that, can you imagine what you could sell that for on eBay? I mean, it, it would go for something. It's space junk. Yeah, Someone will buy that. I bet you it's super heavy. No, no. I yeah, think, I bet it's super heavy. No, no. By the time it gets here, it's going to be burned mm, up in the atmosphere. I don't think so. I, I think, think it's going to be gonna, small. I think it's going to have high density. What? What do you mean? I think it is high density. What are you talking? I think, about? I think it's going to be heavy. You mean I like think... a, like a like a fender falling no, from the sky? No, I'm not saying it's a fender. I'm saying it might be a small piece of something. But a I, screw. I'm, a I'm, nut. I'm I'm anticipating it might be heavy. Okay, what if I find something in the parking lot? Yeah. Here at Seven Parkway Center, mm-hmm. six twenty p.m., and I say it's space junk. That's from my 82 Renault. Who's going to be able right. to say, that's not space junk. Kathy's making stuff up. Is that my first car? Is that a 74 Pinto? I mean, is there some kind of space junk verification process I, I think have there to is. go through? Yeah, before? I'm sure you are. You know, there are space agencies who can verify. Well, NASA's not going to take the time to come out and assess my space junk. Oh, someone will. Believe me, if you, if you called, if we would walk that. outside and that would happen and we called 911, people would be here in a hot minute. They would be here like, boom. So the police are going to come and assess the validity of my claim. I would say first first step in, first step in, the police would arrive and they would do something and then alert someone to the probability that space junk indeed has fallen. But before that would go away, I'd say, hold on, squatter's rights. I'm claiming that. This is mine. This is mine. I would like to see you in a group of policemen yell squatter's rights. (laughs) So anyway, heads up, pun intended, 639 today. uh, There's going to be a collision in outer space. Oh, 639. Yeah. I thought it was 619. Mm, I thought Um, it was Okay, 639. Okay, well, well, then if I go out at 620, I'm not getting anything. No, I'm just going to hang out for a little bit. Okay, Okay. all right. All right, so... There's a, a supply chain disruption in Apple products mm-hmm. that is to be expected, and it's based on the, the coronavirus. Yeah. Okay. Everything's everything's interconnected, right? I mean, what goes up must come down, right? Fifty years after the fact, someone gets sick in China, 
your iPhone or your whatever, you know, iPad might not be working because look, China, do you know, there is a city in China that is called uh, iPhone City. Do you know that? No. iPhone City. It's about 300 miles west of the epicenter of the coronavirus. And they're saying, well, you know, since it is so far away, certainly it hasn't been impacted. But Apple is working. Apple said they're working at full peak production to ensure that whatever your Apple product is continues to come off the assembly line. Because they do expect at some point, as the coronavirus spreads, there there will be a, a disruption. Because there's, you know, a one hiccup in raw materials, fabrication, assembly, test, shipping, all those things working together. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen that's going right. to slow the whole process down. So if I down. need my new iPad and I can't get it on time, well, I'm telling you what, I'm going to get angry. Oh, boy. Can you imagine working that? I mean, th- those stories have been well told about suicide rates in the factories sure. and all that. And I mean, uh, Apple- I think we're just going to have to learn how to wait. Please. It's hard. And I'm the first one saying that it's hard when it comes to tech because for those of us who like to, you know, fix our own stuff, you know, who like to, you know, I don't like to have a tech person because I like to know my machine. I like to figure it out. I like to fix it. You mean like your ice maker? (laughs) Is that what you mean? It all falls apart when it comes to my refrigerator. (laughs) All falls apart. But anyway, when it comes to tech, you know, there are are a lot of ways that the user can, you know, figure something out. You can go online. You can, you know, go to a website. You can look at a YouTube thing and kind of not take a trip to the Apple store. Right. Anyway, God bless those people in, in China. And, you know, the, the, uh, the city, what's the city called? Um, Wuhan. Wuhan. That's a Pittsburgh city. Yes, it is. It's a steel town. Isn't that wild? So 20 years ago or more, when uh, Mayor Tom Murphy was uh, here in the city of Pittsburgh, he went out around the world, and I think Pittsburgh has some 20 so-called sister cities that we have a vested economic, social, what? cultural connection with them. What? 20 sister cities. Around the world. So right. what, what, what does that mean? That we have some special relationship with them? We do. Culturally, I've, scientifically. I've, I've lived here most of my life. Why do I, I don't know any about I don't, any of these sister cities. All right. Well, I, I said, if I travel there, do I get some kind of special dispensation or no, maybe protection? Or? No, nothing like that. Maybe. So why do we have the sister cities? Cultural, economic, um, all these things. Yeah. Well, that's not helping us if we don't even know what who the sister cities are. Stay tuned. <laughs> That's what I say to you, because we've got 20 of them, okay? But that's not our next subject. In just a little bit, uh, we're going to talk about God helps those who can't help themselves. That's different than what I heard. Yeah, Ann Kennedy's with us. She's got a story to tell. Howard Thurman's theology of radical nonviolence inspired a generation of civil rights leaders and gave a voice to the disinherited. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the sixth annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Friday, February 7th at 5.30 p.m., featuring a free screening of Backs Against the Wall, the Howard Thurman story, followed by a discussion with Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer and Professor Walter E. Fluker. Free and open to the public. Details at pts.edu. 101.5 WORD. In touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. If you're going to have courage in your life and you're going to understand that God is working in your life, you've got to be in the Word. This is the mind of God. This is the heart of God. If I neglect the Word of God and neglect spending time with Him, I'm not going to be strong. 
In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, helping you grow in Christ every day. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. We have a major problem here in Pennsylvania, very much like other addictions plaguing our communities. The threat is unregulated gambling on illegal slot machines, camouflaged as skill games. They're popping up everywhere at gas pumps, pizza parlors, and your local convenience store. State police describe these places as breeding grounds for loan sharking and money laundering. If you object to your community becoming a mini Las Vegas, make your voice heard. Call one 888 472-4418. Report those places that are enticing our kids into gambling disguised as entertainment. It's an activity that siphons money away from the Pennsylvania Lottery, whose proceeds go to supporting seniors in our state. Please phone now. This is serious. That number again is one 472 4418 Paid for by Pennsylvanians Against Illegal Gambling. Executive Board Member Peter Shelley. From the moment you met, it's as if you were custom-made for each other. Why should your jewelry be any different? Trinity Jewelers is the area's premier designer of custom jewelry that celebrates life's closest relationships, from breathing new life into a family heirloom to crafting a -a one-of-a-kind original out of nothing but imagination. Trinity's master craftsmen create affordable pieces that tell your own unique story. See how at trinityjewelers.com. The Little House on the Prairie Stories by Laura Ingalls Wilder are, are rich representations of what frontier life was like oh in this gosh. continent. They are so terrifying. They're shocking. They are so humbling. And in in reading interviews with Laura Ingalls Wilder, she said she actually made the stories a little less dramatic and harsh than they actually were because she said the real stories were too sad. Really? Okay. So these these people were so much tougher. They were so much hardier and they were so much braver than we are today. It's just, I, I, I was just filled with a sense of absolute admiration when I read right. those books over and over and listened to them on audio tape. Okay, now you're making me feel bad oh because gosh. I was expecting my Amazon package to show up today. <laughs> of course, it's not here, and I'm thinking, this is rough. That's right, you're furious. Where is my trail mix? Mm-hmm. Right? We're happy to have Ann Kennedy with us. Ann is the author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. She blogs every day at PreventingGrace.com. She lives in in upstate New York, where she mothers six kids and lives with her husband, who's an Anglican priest. And she, like me, has read all the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. And welcome in. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you, Anne. All right. So, Anne, these people, like, tough as nails, really. Oh, my gosh. The long winter. You just finished this gosh. book with your children yesterday. That is not a gentle read, is it not? No. Oh, my word. It was so stressful. We were on the edges of our seats, and it was it, it was like... Uh, it, by the end, it sounded like they were in prison, basically. Right. 
by the weather. It was un- amazing and terrible, just uh, heartbreaking. I mean, it ended well, but um, she really got to the sense of, you know, utter despair that they lived through uh, in a winter that lasted basically from October until the end of April. Oh, my gosh. Um, they didn't have supplies and um so they gradually ate their wheat until it was all gone um and they didn't starve by the grace of god they didn't but yeah it's an amazing book very Uh, tough but you've brought up uh, a specific part of the book and you know i it's funny that you have written about this Anne, because in all the nights that i was you know putting my kids to bed we would listen to these on audio tape um or cd or whatever it is because cherry jones does such a spectacular job reading these books. Um, She's just such an unbelievable talent. I mean, I can hear her voice in my head to this day. But one of the things that, that becomes evident the more you stay in the books is that their version of Christianity is... I would say not exactly biblical Christianity. And you brought up an instance um, where the long winter is happening and Almanzo goes out and he's with somebody else. I don't remember who. And they go out to look for wheat because the, the because everybody's starving. So tell the rest of the story. So um, this is the first book where Almanzo starts to appear. And he and Cap Garland uh, realize, I mean, Almanzo and his brother Royal have enough food for the winter. But they realize finally that a lot of people in the town are starving. And so they take it upon themselves to go because there's a rumor that that someone out on a homestead has seed wheat. And um, so they can hopefully going to find it. It's interesting because Almanzo has seed wheat hidden in the wall of his house that he is unwilling to sell. Um, He brought from Minnesota, I think, or Wisconsin. So he, he'd rather make a really dangerous journey to get somebody else's wheat than sell his own, which, I mean, he, could, he and Cap Garland could have died. Because uh, there's about, you know, a day or two in between each storm, and each storm lasts at least four days uh, throughout the book. So they go, and they they find this guy in the middle of, you know, they don't have a map. They have nothing. They find him and they bargain him out of his wheat, and he and they bring it back. So they arrive just as the next storm is coming uh, on the horizon. It's told really well. You know, they she, she builds the suspense pretty brilliantly through, um, so that you're she actually interrupts the story of how they come back to tell you about how Laura is doing in her house. So it was a super stressful chapter two chapters okay so under the quilts and this is from the book laura and mary silently said their prayers talk about their Mm -hmm. conversation so they pray well mary asked laura if she's prayed here it is um mary whispered laura what laura whispered did you pray for them yes said laura do you think we ought to and then mary says it isn't like asking for anything for ourselves. I didn't say anything about the wheat. I only said, please, to save their lives if it's God's will. And then Laura says, I think it ought to be they were doing their best. Okay, so in Mary's and mind, I, in Mary's mind, Anne, it would be wrong if she did pray for herself 
or she did pray that they yes. would find wheat. That would be selfish, and that would somehow be infringing on the whole, like, what, the, the prayer agreement? Yeah, that they they wouldn't be upholding their end of the bargain, I think, that, you know, it, it would be selfish to pray for God to give them, to show them the wheat, bring the wheat home. They could pray for the safety of these two guys, but they shouldn't pray for their own nourishment. Which I mean, I was reading it, and I was immediately, like, the words of the Lord's Prayer rung in my ears. Give us our daily bread. Like, I, I know that they would have recited the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure, but somehow that very basic idea of needing to pray for yourself for your most basic needs did not penetrate through the fog. Yes. Yeah, because that was too selfish. Yeah, it was selfish. And, you know, they're, I mean, that's one reason why they succeeded was because of their un, unbending commitment to be honorable and fair um, and not take anything from anyone, which is an amazing thing that most of us don't know how to live with anymore, um, but also not Christian. At its, its very core, it's not a Christian. Um, it's really at odds with the gospel itself. So it's just, this is a surprising moment, and it comes through in other books when you know Ma says, "God helps those that help them, helps themselves," which he, God doesn't ever say that. Um, so it's, it's a shocking. Like they were very Christian, and yet I would say, what I would consider the very heart of the gospel, sort of. It falls out of the bottom right here in this, this amazing story. Right. So, and yesterday, as you're reading and finishing up the long winter, you paused when this came up in the book to lecture your children. And specifically, yeah. you said what to them? I said you had better pray for yourself first. I mean, if you pray for anything, pray for yourself. Pray for God to save you. Pray for God to... Jesus commands us to pray and ask for the things that we need including the things of the body and not just the things of the soul, but also especially the things of the soul. Um, and it's interesting because I run across this in the, in the church all the time. People apologize. If they find themselves praying for themselves, they'll come to me in sort of a repentant way. Like, I know I shouldn't have done this, but I was praying. And I think, what? The first person you should pray for is yourself because you're you're going to perish. Um, which is a, it's a great book because it shows you how desperate life is. Um, and so it's really shocking to me that that they wouldn't they wouldn't implore God that that would somehow be selfish. Um, no, the Christian should pray first for himself or herself, and then go on and pray for everyone else. It's not either or. Mm-hmm. It's not selfish. Uh, it's the gospel because you're going to die and you really need Jesus. Um, so it's a, it's such an interesting picture. And I really think Americans don't know how to pray for themselves. They don't want to, or they're, they don't think it's the proper thing to do. Um, and that's a catastrophe. Ann Kennedy's with us, author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. If you want to read from Ann, she puts something out every day, preventinggrace.com. So, Ann, you say this, that, you know, there are many things you would like to kill off about American Christianity, but this is the chief, chief one, right? You say that the helplessness of the human creature before death is so hidden by 
as someone clever said to you this weekend, nursing homes, hospitals, the complete absence of physical suffering. Instead, all that we choose or want or desire is at a click of our fingertips, and tomorrow it will arrive at our doorstep. We have sanitized this so deeply that we have done ourselves a great disservice, especially from the eternal perspective. I mean, I just spent a little bit of money on Amazon, and it's going to come later uh, tomorrow. So that's, I mean, I am right embedded in a very, very comfortable culture. Love it. Um, So what shocked me about it is that, you know, even though I, I have, I feel like I have a good excuse for why I wouldn't pray because I have technology and I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's interesting to me that, yeah. you know, the, the Ingleses didn't pray any better than I do. And they didn't have, like, they were starving to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's an American problem, I think, that we have. We, the self-sufficiency, the wanting God to um, meet us on our own terms, um, the wanting to help ourselves rather than let God help us just runs really, really deep. Right. It, it's like in the founding of our minds and our culture. And um, I, I shouldn't take my excuse, <laughs> even though I think I have really good ones. But and it's um, so weird, right? Because they, and we, I'm sorry, we live in such a selfish world. We live in such a selfish society where we sing the opera of me, 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 me. So you think if we were so selfish, of course, the first person we're going to pray for is me, 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 me. Yeah, it's interesting. You you'd think that would, but but no, because you you know, it's an act of, of horrifying humility to to pray for yourself because you're really admitting that you didn't do it. You didn't do what God wanted you to do. You couldn't provide for your own needs. Um, so it's, it is, it's, it seems like it would be selfish, but it's actually, uh, uh, it's a good, it's pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps when you refuse to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and under the guy, under a humble, deceiving guise. Um, so it looks great. So and not- I think that's one reason why it's, just, you know, at the root of, so, of our own. So then not allowing ourselves to pray for ourselves first is a pride problem. Absolutely. It's a massive pride problem. Yeah. And I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I'm sorry it's over. But on the way out, I just have to say this is a parenthetical statement and really doesn't have to do with what you're talking about. But it is Laura Ingalls Wilder-centric. And let me say this. As a mom, did you, in listening or reading these books, ever think to yourself, really, Pa? Like you, you had it yes. fine in the little house Every in the big day. woods, right? You had yes. family around you. You had trees. Yep. You had a community. <laughs> what was it about uh, you that had to just go out there and drag us with you? <laughs> yeah, I know every single book. My goodness, like, could you just not do it this book? But nope, <laughs> it's the thing that he does, and we all watch him do it. And he's sainted. Like Laura loves him. He's he's such a great character. Yeah. But um, it yeah, it's it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And don't marry that guy. Do not no, marry no. Pa. I just want to say right now, don't do marry not. Him. The final book in the do chapter not. should have been called Pa. What were you thinking? Exactly. Yeah. What? What? You had one job, man. Exactly. Move. You like your spouse? <laughs> then like the house in the big woods. Well, that's funny yeah, stuff. That was a great house. <laughs>
Ann Carlson Kennedy, PreventingGrace.com is her blog. She's uh, always at Pathios.com. I am doing all the right things, drinking plenty of water, eating right, and exercising. But month after month, my constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating keep coming back. Irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC, affects 13 million Americans. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S.com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit windowsruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage with the help from the pros at Salem Surround. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit extremetruck.net. 412-257-1006, extremetruck.net. I've got a good friend who, when I know I'm going to see him, and I'm like I'm driving, you know, we're going to meet and have lunch or something. I start to laugh. I start to giggle because my buddy is so funny and so joyful that when I'm together, it's just a breeze. It's just a really good time. And if you've got a friend like that, my guess is a lot of people have somebody like that in their life. You know, kind of, that's, that's a sweet presence. That's a funny presence. That's goofy. You know, I love it so much. We're, we're so fortunate to have somebody like that. Well, coming up on the 14th of February is the annual Word FM date night. I'm telling you, 
Marty Simpson, oh. the guy who's going to be on stage, is one of those people. He certainly is. We've talked to Marty several times. and He cracks me up. Oh, my. And he's just he is a, a sweetheart. Naturally, look, we've talked to a lot of comedians over the years, and they're very funny on stage. But off stage, there's just not a lot of comedy. There really isn't. They're right. just... He is just a funny dude. He is. When he I makes think of me him, laugh. When we talk to him on the phone, which we've done a lot, he makes me laugh. Yeah. So do yourself I can't a favor. Wait. It's going to be a great night. It really is. And it's not that expensive. Uh, you know, you'll be at, uh, together with hundreds of people laughing. When's the last time you did that? Listen, a Valentine's Day gift you want to go out and enjoy yourself? This is it. I'm telling you, don't miss it. Check it out. Uh, wordfm.com. Get your tickets today with Marty Simpson. 14th of February. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump's impeachment trial has shifted to pointed and lively questions from senators. This two day session will be followed by a vote on Friday on whether to allow more witnesses to testify. The Federal Reserve has kept its key interest rate unchanged at a low level amid an economy that looks solid, but faces potential global threats, including from China's viral outbreak. The central bank said it would hold short-term rates in a range from one and a half to one and three quarters percent, far below levels that were typical during previous expansions. President Trump has signed into law a major rewrite of the rules of trade with Canada and Mexico. Some auto workers should benefit because the deal encourages more manufacturing in the United States. Stocks giving up early gains, ending mix. The Dow was up 11 points. The S&P dropped two. This is SRN News. I am doing it all. The water, the fiber, the exercise. But I still have constipation with belly pain, straining and bloating that keep coming back. My doctor said that I may have a chronic medical condition called Irritable Bowel Syndrome with Constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. As mothers and caregivers, we tend to put others before ourselves. Former Texas Governor Ann Richards once said, if you think taking care of yourself is selfish, change your mind. In planning for your retirement, it's important to pay yourself first. Women have unique needs as investors. They generally live longer than men and have less saved. Kurt Kenotic and the team at Accurate Solutions Group have developed a complimentary guide to help women achieve financial independence called 10 Tips to Help Empower Women Investors. This guide addresses the reasons every woman should have a financial plan of her own. For your copy of this guide from Accurate Solutions Group, call or text TIPS to 412-515-3555. That's 412-515-3555. Don't put others' retirement plans before your own. Take the first 
step toward your financial independence today. Call or text TIPS to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade with over 50 professionally certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Everyone gets hungry before the party. Why not give them something worth talking about without lifting a finger? Food. The Cooked Goose Catering Company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease, whatever the occasion. Right now, get their special appetizer package added to your next menu. An inviting selection of hors d'oeuvres starting at $6.95 per person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com slash word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company. Just good food. Tonight, partly to mostly cloudy, low 22. Tomorrow, rather cloudy, high 39. Cloudy tomorrow night, low 25. Friday, mostly cloudy, high again, 39. There could be some rain or drizzle Friday evening. Saturday, rain and snow showers with little or no accumulation, high 41. Sunday, clouds giving wet to sun, high 40. With your accurate forecast, I'm Brian May. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Food, 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 food. Okay. Do you not love it? Yes. Yes. Well, we live in such a food-centric culture, and now because, of course, where we are, you know, economically, socially, the explosion of one-day delivery and whatnot, uh, there are these people, uh, gastronomes. Mm-hmm who make it their full-time job to try and then tell of what's new and exciting. I love food. a gastronome. So today in uh, today's PG, uh, Abby McKay wrote a piece, Five New Foods That Should Be on Your 2020 Grocery List. Oh, really? Five New Foods. Okay. So, you know, what they, they, they say that Pittsburgh, if it's happening in L.A., Pittsburgh will get it in about a decade. That, now there, I'm sure there's some truth to that as far as trends. But, but that's not, not the case with food. No, not anymore. Okay, so let me just uh, read a few of these new food trends that really sound cool. All right, I'm ready. Something called B-O-U, capital B-O-U, ginger miso broth cubes. What? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, ginger, okay, so these are like bouillon cubes? Yes, exactly. Um so, you, of course, I'm glad you brought that up because there is a similarity here now, okay? But these BOU cubes, they are devoid of processed food and, you know... Okay, they don't have MSG in no, them. No, there's no... All that super heavy-duty salt. They um, sought to bring an end to the functional compromise by creating tiny cubes made from better-for-you ingredients that can impact your cooking in a big way, says a BOU president, Kunal Kohli. Ingredients include... Seaweed, shiitake mushroom extract, anchovy, and tuna. Mm. Now you take one of these cubes, and that sounds um, delicious already. You put the say you put a ginger miso bouillon cube in ten ounces of water. Then you add a few handfuls of your favorite vegetables, 
and whatever noodles, long noodles you have on hand. You crumble the cube into a stir-to-fry, quickly developed sort of dish, and then whisk it in a few tablespoons of oil for a quick marinade. You are good to go. That sounds delicious. Yeah. They're now available, and I don't know this place. This is a, good, a local uh, PG article. Now available at the Fresh Market. What is the Fresh Market? I feel like my market's fresh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so BOU Ginger Moves. All right. Uh, how about the uh, Kalahari Biltong? Biltong may be jerky-like, but don't dare call it uh, jerky. So, uh, again, these Kalahari Billabongs. The guy who uh, invented these, a guy named Brett Johnson, he said he never could go in for jerky. He, he, he knows that they're highly processed. So instead, of salt. he's created this um, technique, this South African technique of marinating thinly sliced beef in vinegar and spices, then air drying it. It leaves the meat tender and prosciutto-like. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's dried. Yes. In addition to original garlic and lime chili flavor varieties, there are spicy peri-peri, a pepper that is native to South America. That is available at the Market District at Giant Eagle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are they called? Kalahari Kalahari what? Biltong, B-I-L-T-O-N-G. That Kalahari sounds delicious. Kalahari Biltong, all right. Yep. Uh, how about the uh, Tomic Tasty Heat Garlic and Pepper Jam? It's a spread. Like a you know garlic and pepper spread, right? It's uh, produced um, not too far from here. Uh, Tom Sermon, who is a gardener at large at Sermon Gardens, uh, he is the founder of Tomic Tasty Heat line of dressings and garnishes like the sweet and pleasantly garlic and pepper jam. So he's a he's a thirty year gardening and canning veteran. He's known uh, by his friends for this perfect party recipe. So he started to make it. Okay, so I'm guessing that this is the kind of thing that you get a cracker, you put some cream cheese on it, and you stick this on top. Here it is. Thank you. So Abby says this, slather over cream cheese or bake over Mm -hmm. brie, serve with crackers, pita wedges, or crudites. Delicious. Consider glazing salmon or chicken with a jam for a quick weeknight meal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Tomic Tasty Heat Garlic and Pepper Jam. Okay. Uh, uh, Something for your your drinking pleasure, Dalston's Soda Company, they sell four packs, which are new. Uh, not only to Pittsburgh, but across North America. The up-and-coming juice blend line of sodas from the U.K. They uh, make their name by producing oddball flavors like, like? elderflower and rhubarb. Ooh, but the quality right. of these flavors, they say, is what really makes the soda stand out. Each sip of Dalston's is balanced and pleasant with no peak of sweetness or unfortunate aftertaste. Also available at the Fresh Market, which we've got. I know, a, yeah. again. Last one is the Nacho no cheese, dairy-free cheese alternative. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, right away, it's a disappointment. Nacho, no cheese, dairy-free. Uh, so okay, so wait. It's it's nacho, no cheese, dairy-free what? Cheese alternative. Come on, cheese now alternative. Listen, so Get out a of woman, here. How about just eat cheese? A woman by the name of Sharon Gregory, she was recovering from breast cancer surgery. Halfway through a bowl of beef bonignon. Her, uh, she told her husband she'd been going vegan to protect her long-term health. There was only one problem. She loved cheese. So uh, she went out and looked around. They were chatting in their Ross Township uh, house, and uh, they started a business. And now it is this no, no-cho, no-cheese. Nacho, you mean? Yes. N-O-T-C-H-O. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's already sold at Whole Foods and uh, several smaller so grocery stores. So what is it? Stores. Is... It's a cheese dip. 
It's a plant spread, good cheese it's a dip. Plant spread. Straight out of the jar. It can be mixed with steamed vegetables, rice, or pasta. Okay, I just want to say that if that is what will help to support her health, Heck I'm yeah. fully behind her. But a plant based cheese spread. Not no a plant based dairy free cheese like spread. I don't know is does, is not jumping out at me. Hey, they're making they're making meatless burgers. So what the heck? This is it. Okay, right? all right. I'm I'm willing to try because I support this woman in okay. her story. But I'll tell you, I want to go out and get the boy ginger miso mm, broth cube yeah. like ASAP. And I have some Kalahari bitbong bilbong. Five new foods no, that should be. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Five new foods that should be on your 2020 grocery list. I like that soda company. I like rhubarb soda. I, mean, I can't even pronounce half of these things. Yeah, no, I'm I trying just, to help you. Okay. I think it's crudite, the word you were going for earlier. How about a Ritz cracker and just put some butter on it? Hey, in a little bit, we're going to talk about all this useless beauty. Stay with us. 101.5 WORD. WORD. This weekend, Word FM gives you twice the fun. Double your pleasure. It's a 101.5 WORD double play weekend. Double play. You'll hear twin spins from your favorite Christian artists. Two. Two in a row from Mercy Me. One after the other. Two. Two from Casting Crowns. Can I get another? Back to back. Back to back hits from Chris Tomlin. Do that again. One hit from Jeremy Camp and then another. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a hankering for some double mint gum. Call now with the artists you want to hear two in a row from. 877-349-1015. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Hi, I'm Alistair Begg, and I'd like to personally invite you to join me August 30th to September 6th, 2020, for a week of Christian fellowship and a newfound appreciation for God's creation. Call 855-565-5519 to join us, or visit deeperfaithcruise.com. For all the details, Salem Media Group presents the Deeper Faith Alaska Cruise, August 30th through September 6, 2020. Get more details at wordfm.com slash Alaska. Howard Thurman's theology of radical nonviolence inspired a generation of civil rights leaders and gave a voice to the disinherited. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the sixth annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith, Friday, February 7th at 5.30 p.m., featuring a free screening of Backs Against the Wall, the Howard Thurman story, followed by a discussion with Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer and Professor Walter E. Fluker. Free and open to the public. Details at pts.edu. It's long. Over a thousand chapters. Over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deepen your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. For victims of drunk and drug driving, our grief is unique. But you are not alone. You always have a place at MAD. Call our 24-hour victim helpline 
at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. Kath, did you uh, have the opportunity at all to uh, tune in to the Q&A? The House impeachment and hearings today. Just for a little bit today, John. Q&A. It's fascinating. What, what I saw was, or I'm sorry, well, I was driving in and I heard the opening. And what I heard, what I loved, they prayed. And I'm driving on the parkway and I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking around me at all the different cars. And I'm thinking, how many other people right now are driving or listening live across this great country mm-hmm. of ours and hearing someone pray uh from this perspective of justice, fairness, truth, God's grace over the land of the United States as we are in the midst of something deeply contentious. Man, do we need it. Yeah, we sure do. So that was I, I was really happy for that, mm-hmm. and it was broadcast all, all over the country. Well, Paul McNulty is with us. Paul's the ninth president of Grove City College. Uh, he has uh, been there, done that, lived it in Washington, D.C. He spent 30 years in D.C. as an attorney in public service and private practice. In 2005, Paul McNulty was unanimously con- uh, confirmed to the position of deputy attorney general, which is the second in command in the United States Department of Justice. He was also the chief operating officer of the department's 100,000-plus employees. And, of course, uh, uh, we've talked about this with Paul before, deeply involved in the 9-11 investigation as well. So Paul knows Washington, D.C., and still has deep friendships there. Here today to talk to us about the great divide in America, which is the hate on the Hill. Paul, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. Good to be with you. So, Paul, I, ha- I hesitate to ask, you know, knowing this is your background and knowing that you left Washington behind to pursue something different in being a university president. Uh, can you talk about your feelings? What, what do you think? Are you, have you caught a lot of the impeachment stuff on the, online or either on uh, TV or radio? I've tried to catch what I can. Uh, you know, working is somehow a little bit of a distraction to uh, being able to see as much as you yeah, want. That's, like, that's how we feel as watching well. Watching the replays. and so, Yeah, right. Watching the replays. Uh, one thing about my bio that probably should be stated that um, is relevant to this is I was the chief counsel and the spokesperson for the Clinton impeachment process. So I was on the floor of the House and on the floor of the Senate during the Clinton impeachment proceedings. Wow. And uh, that's been especially significant for me as I've been watching what's going on now. Yes. And um, as I watched the House debate the articles of impeachment, I thought a lot about what that was like when I was there back in 1998. That was December of 98, um, and it was December of this, um, you know, this past month when they passed the articles on the House floor. So who would be filling – I know that the that there's a difference in, um, in how the impeachment was carried out at that point um, and how it's being carried out now because there's a, a different set of, of restrictions um, and, and procedures than there were at that point. But who has a position similar to the one you had during the Clinton impeachment proceedings? Well, there are staff for the um, House managers – uh, the prosecutors now and the staff then, and I was one of those lawyers um, working with the members of the House representatives. We had 13 House Judiciary Committee members who were chosen to be the prosecutors, the managers who went over to the Senate every day to do what uh, we're watching now. Um, this group is a bit smaller of House members, and they 
are from different committees, so there's um, a number of differences the way it's played out. But basically, at the table on the Senate floor right now, you have House members and staff uh, representing the House representatives, and that's what we did. Henry Hyde was our chairman of the Judiciary Committee at that time from Illinois, and um, I was uh, one of his attorneys supporting that. My title was chief counsel and, and director of communications. And um, I think the key thing I want to observe here with you all today is just the different tenor of what I've been watching. In particular, I was watching uh, the articles being debated, and at multiple times, Republican members looked over to the left side of the House floor and said to the Democrats, um, you hate this president. You're doing this because you hate this president, and you hate us and all the people who support him. And that kind of took my breath away, and I watched the heads of members of Congress behind the speakers saying that, and they were nodding in agreement. And I thought, what a difference. Um, 21 years ago, if someone would have said to the Democrats, um, or the Democrats, excuse me, would have said to the Republicans, you're going after Bill Clinton because you hate him and you hate us, we would all have been shocked at the very thought of that being said. And yet, in this context, it has... Uh, credibility as to what really is transpiring. So, Paul, in those 21 years since Clinton and to today, of course, a lot has changed. But what has changed? What is the primary thing that has created the hate so much so that both sides will nod their head and acknowledge that hatred exists between each other? Well, I think that the issues have divided the country severely in that period of time. And the, the political um, part of our lives, that is the, the way in which our differences are played out uh, in the public square, in the political arena, those political um, circumstances have been more weaponized. There's more of a um, attitude of us versus them in the politics we see day in and day out than there was before. And, um, and perhaps it's because um, the, the issues that divide have, have gotten more pronounced and we have a new set of representatives. Um, you know, what we see, for example, on the Democrat side is there's a new generation of members of the House uh, who have very strong and very strong anti-Trump uh, views and aren't afraid at all to express it. Uh, we saw with the Republican side in the Tea Party movement um, during the Obama administration, uh, a sort of a turning over of the House and a more confrontational approach. And I do think that in the Obama administration, we saw some things change in terms of the relationship between the administration and Congress. And that kind of um, divide seems to have just gotten worse. Mm. What what things happened in the Obama administration that caused that divide? In my opinion, there were times when the issues were really complicated, and um, and rather than searching for some consensus, um, there was more of a we're going to try to push this through. And I have to say, it seems a little arbitrary to point this out, but. The health care bill was passed in a way that I think was damaging. Yeah, I agree. Because there was 
no Republican support for it at all. Zero. It's literally no Republican member on either the House or the Senate voted for a major piece of legislation. And I thought when that was happening, of course, at that point, I was um, working at a law firm and out of out of the government life. But as I observed that, I thought, no, oh, that's going to be long-term problematic mm-hmm. because it's a huge piece of legislation. And those for it need to find some consensus with those against it to try to see if we can have, um, you know, a fundamental bipartisan direction. Right. And well, the response to that would be to say, well, you can't let the minority party always veto everything. And I don't think that's what the, really is going on. I think you just have to um, work at creating bipartisan support. It is hard, but it can be done. We're talking to Paul McNulty. Paul's the ninth president of Grove City College. And in addition to being the deputy attorney general of the United States in the past, he's also and was chief spokesman in the Clinton impeachment proceedings of 1998. And so it's it's really wonderful to speak to you today, Paul, because sure your perspective is something that is incredibly unique. And so when we watch the impeachment proceedings on television, and, and perhaps this also feeds into your um, observation that things are so different now um, as far as antagonism between the parties than they were in 1998. And things were plenty antagonistic in 1998, as I remember. But I wonder if the mm-hmm. advent and the rise in importance of News as entertainment on cable television has added to that. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of part of that. But, Paul, you know, as you came in, I, I talked about, you know, hearing a prayer at the opening of today's proceedings. And then as soon as the prayer was over, everyone in the House, they all you know, recited the Pledge of Allegiance together in unison. And I wondered about that as well. As, you know, as divided as we are, and as Kath is talking about, you know, the social media disarray, there are certain members, it feels, whether Democrat or Republican, who are not united, it feels, for the good of the country. That has become something that's personal and deeply partisan. Right, right. You know, those those um, traditions of prayer and uh, the pledge are important, but they also can be somewhat formulaic when um, the sort of the self-control necessary to have respect and civility uh, doesn't follow from it. Um, I think back to your point, Kathy, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, both the news media and the social media scene has changed so much. So you have back in 98, I was the one who actually went on the programs to sort of debate the Clinton lawyers. And it wasn't there weren't that many programs where that was uh, right. happening. You know, I'd go on I would go on crossfire and i would go on uh, uh chris matthews had hardball but there weren't that many and of course now they're just they're more than we can ever begin to count and uh and it seems as though um, the media has given up too much in the effort to try to um kind of walk a line of balance and it's now more about a show being uh one side or the other side and and being sort of unapologetic about that and so that combined with people expressing themselves um, very publicly, um, kind of on the fly, constantly, without necessarily taking the time to really pick their words correctly. Right. So now what they do is they delete the uncivil comment, or they, they do a sort of quick apology and then they right back at it. Uh, those things have definitely made civility much more difficult. And once you lose respect 
and civility, it's very difficult to restore it. So, Paul, you know, there you are at Grove City College, removed from the Washington scene, but I'm sure that you still have friendships who are inside uh, the Beltway. As you speak to old friends, does anyone, you know, still possess that that narrative of we should get along together, or is it always let's get those guys because they're going to hurt us, so let's hurt them first? Well, I happen to make good friends, John. I mean, we'll pick the right kind of friends. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are lamenting along with me about this. And so I do think there are a number of people who really regret what's happening and are trying to make you know small steps towards um, a healing of sorts. Um, but the problem is so big and, and so overwhelming. And, um, and I'm afraid it's not heading the right direction because – as we enter into this presidential election year, um, we're going to see more of this uh, cultural divide. Um, and um, you see um, the way that, that the rhetoric is sort of turning against voters who support someone rather than respecting the fact we all have different views and we need to uh, give each other that kind of uh, space to, to have our views. Uh, when when Sen- uh, uh, Chairman Nadler from the House Judiciary Committee said to the senators, uh, you are actually co-conspirators with uh, President Trump if you don't um, you know, stand up against him. That's crossing a line that's really, really problematic. And yet that's become uh, something that is um, a little bit more common in the way in which we speak. We're talking to Paul McNulty. Paul's the ninth president of Grove City College. He also is the chief spokesman in the Clinton impeachment proceedings back in 1998. We're going to take a break. Paul, hopefully you can stay with us. We'll come back. Let's talk about some of the more particular items that are related to today's impeachment hearings and uh, the call for witnesses. We'll talk about that next. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grime with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage with the help from the pros at Salem Surround. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I was up at Grove City College on Saturday with my husband. Oh, how was that? It was great. I was up there for a swim meet because my daughter is a, is a varsity swimmer, and it was Hall of Fame Day for the swim team. And so they were inducting four people into the Grove City Swimming Hall of Fame. Cool. Okay, which, you know, of course, you know, it's terrific, and there was a lot of cheering and whatever. But um, <laughs> but but Grove City did a great job of doing a, um, a video 
uh, several video montages of what was going on in on the swim team while these people were at their best. Mm. So there was a lot of video footage of them going to NCAA finals. There was a lot of racing footage. There was a lot of workout footage, all those sorts of things. But I have to tell you, I, I came away, my husband and I both did after that, thinking, you know, tiny little Grove City College with an enrollment of, what, 2,500? Yeah. They have produced spectacular athletes. I mean, to see what these three girls in particular, and I say these three women in particular because they graduated in the same year in 2013, but the amount of skill and ability that they were able to bring to that tiny school in this small part of Pennsylvania and were able to to reach such heights at, at NCAA finals on a national level, it's unbelievable. Fabulous. So if you're thinking of Grove City College, you're not thinking, it might be a small college, but you're not thinking a small college perspective. No. So whether it's sports, the arts, or the education itself, it's all excellence at Grove City College. Look online for that, gcc.edu. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, part of mostly cloudy, low 22. Tomorrow, rather cloudy, high 39. Cloudy tomorrow night, low 25. Friday, mostly cloudy, high again, 39. There could be some rain or drizzle Friday evening. Saturday, rain and snow showers with little or no accumulation, high 41. Sunday, clouds giving way to sun, high 40. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. Paul McNulty is with us from Grove City College, where he is the ninth president. Paul spent more than 30 years in Washington, D.C., and uh, we're reflecting on what's happening with the impeachment trial of uh, President Trump because uh, while Bill Clinton was being impeached, Paul essentially was uh, the central figure uh, on the floor and uh, with the news media as well. And, uh, Paul, welcome back. We're going to spend a few more times talking about uh, a little more specific things. Yeah, Paul, we only have a couple minutes left, but I did want to get your feeling. like Just your general impressions on these impeachment proceedings, things you already mentioned, the the uh, hatred, the elevated angst um, as being remarkable. But what about the actual case? Well, I go back to the fact that the founders clearly wanted impeachment to be something that was very hard and very rare. And this is only the third one uh, that we've ever had in the history of our country. And so from my perspective, the charges in the impeachment matter need to be egregious in order to create some bipartisan um, agreement that we're going to take this rare step. And I think there has to be a kind of stewardship of impeachment because it is in our Constitution for an extraordinary remedy when uh, something um, really amiss uh, occurs. And the problem in this case is, and I think Alan Dershowitz's defense um, was pretty brilliant Mm -hmm. when he talked about abuse of power and um, contempt of Congress. And what he was saying there basically was those those um, that conduct doesn't really amount to impeachable conduct because number one they aren't actual crimes and he was making a point that it needs to be crimes but more basically that there are things that by themselves can um, be subjectively used against one president after another and he had this riff where he went from Washington to Obama and made all the it referred to all the times that every president was accused of abuse of power. And so it's, it's, uh, he turned to the managers and he said, you know, you just brought the wrong charges if you're trying to mm-hmm. reach that standard. And I thought that was a very, very persuasive point. 
you can have your views on the appropriateness of the Ukraine communication and what was going on. But fundamentally, if you're going to take the election away from the people, which is the foundation of the Constitution, then it has to be something where there's a consensus that we're going to uh, take that extraordinary step. And that's what's been missing mm-hmm. in this case from, from my perspective. I thought Adam Schiff's uh, opening statement was remarkable in that he said people say we should let this, you know, be solved in the ballot box, but we can't trust the ballot box. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll, wait. Right. When did we get to that place? Yeah. Right. Right. Mr. Schiff is a very articulate man. He's done some excellent speaking in this trial. But he is just dug in. And I saw that in 98. I'd be the first to admit that the Republicans got dug in Mm -hmm. and believed that Bill Clinton's lying under oath was impeachable conduct, but the public wasn't buying it and the Democrats weren't buying it. And we failed. And I concluded as I was going through that, that this case lacked the kind of gravity that was going to get bipartisan support. In 1974, the Republicans concluded, uh, it was still in the Judiciary Committee, that Richard Nixon's conduct did reach a level where they couldn't support him. He told him that, and that's why he resigned. So it's not as though you can never find egregious conduct. Okay. It just has to be the, there in order to, um, I think, do this in a way that honors the real spirit of the Constitution. Right, and it's not like egregious conduct, based on our history, can't be agreed upon by both parties. That's right. That's exactly right. That's what seems to be the premise here is that, oh, well, we'll never do this. So it's going to be one party impeachment right. now. And, and that's why Speaker Pelosi's own words a year ago or less than a year ago were absolutely right. She said that impeachment should be bipartisan and they should be something where the public can, can overcome the divide and you know essentially work together. And, and, and then she abandoned her own position. But she was right in the first instance to say that. And so, Paul, it looks as though uh, the votes are not in place. Well, they'll force the president to leave office. So we'll go through the process. Uh, a vote will be taken, and uh, the president will stay the president. And we will go to the ballot box in November to uh, allow the people to speak. That's right. That's right. I don't think the outcome hangs in the balance here. Um, even with John Bolton's testimony that turns into a witness on the Senate floor or other witnesses, I think it's still the same set of issues. And therefore, I think that there won't be any real changed minds. Uh, again, going back to what is impeachable conduct and what's the weight of the evidence, too. I mean, there's um, some dispute about that, and there'll be a dispute about new evidence, too. And um, like any criminal trial, the burden is heavy for the government. Beyond a reasonable doubt is the standard. So uh, these things matter, and I think that's the struggle that um, is going on here and why um, this public is evenly divided on whether or not um, uh, the president should be removed. That's Paul McNulty, ninth president of Grove City College, former U.S. Deputy Attorney General and former chief spokesman in the Clinton impeachment proceedings of 1998. Thank you, Paul. Greatly appreciated. Hey, uh, when we come back... uh... We're going to talk about beauty beauty what is it is it really that important oh no 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 we can we can probably take it or leave it find out next 101.5 word you're listening now so we know you're a fan of the radio station i am a big fan and we want you to know that we appreciate you i can be your number one fan 
That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. When you're searching for a new mattress, you may be faced with the choice between a traditional inner spring or memory foam mattress. But you don't have to choose. You can get the active support of a high-quality inner spring with the comfort of memory foam in the new hybrid mattresses from the original Mattress Factory. With two new hand-built hybrid models to choose from, you can expect the latest in sleep innovation at the same high-quality and factory-direct pricing you come to expect from the original Mattress Factory. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. When the original Mattress Factory first opened for business, we offered mattresses that were the same quality as the mainstream brands, but at a fraction of the cost. Our Factory Direct model made it easy for customers to understand they were getting a great value. But over the last few decades, the mainstream mattress brands have made major cuts to quality, while the original Mattress Factory's quality has only improved. And we still cost less than those other brands. We know that all sounds too good to be true. That's why we're inviting you to stop by one of our stores or factory locations to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. For your next event, instead of worrying about catering to your guests, why not just enjoy them? The Cooked Goose Catering Company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease, whatever the occasion, like their roast beef and stuffed chicken breast with mashed or roasted potatoes and green beans, just $10.95 a person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com slash word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company, just good food. Don't miss out on the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square sweepstakes. We're giving away $50,000 every score change, touchdowns, field goals, even extra points, 50 Gs. Plus, two grand prize winners will win a half million dollars that could be used toward their dream home. Hurry up and get your square at rocketmortgagesquares.com. Enter by January 30th, 2020. No purchase necessary. 18 years or older except Alabama, Nebraska, and Mississippi. Ends January 30th. Licensed all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. NFL is not sponsored promotion in any way. Howard Thurman's theology of radical nonviolence inspired a generation of civil rights leaders and gave a voice to the disinherited. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 6th Annual Community Conversation on Race and Faith. Friday, February 7th at 5.30 p.m. Featuring a free screening of Backs Against the Wall, the Howard Thurman story. Followed by a discussion with Emmy award-winning filmmaker Martin Doblemeyer and Professor Walter E. Fluker. Free and open to the public. Details at pts.edu. A couple decades ago, Elvis Costello wrote a song, which I loved, called All This Useless Beauty. And I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, what what's he talking about? You know, and you're surrounded by all these incredibly. I mean, the world is just. It is beautiful, isn't it? There are so many things. I, mean, I was walking outside my driveway this morning. I looked down on the ground, and you know, on my stones there was this mix of, of moss and snow together in the dappled sunlight. And I I said to myself, that's so beautiful. So why is it there? Why is it there? I mean, why it's not. You're not commodifying your moss and snow combination. <laughs> but I, you're not, I mean, even if you were photographing it, you're not doing it for a purpose. What's it? Was there for my pleasure Why at the is moment. It, there? it was there for my pleasure. And I was grateful that I was 
tuned in enough to look at it and see the beauty within it. Jessica Hooten Wilson is with us. She's associate professor of literature at John Brown University, the author of Giving the Devil His Due, Flannery, O'Con- Flannery O'Connor, Fedor Dostoevsky, and Walker Percy. She's coming to Grove City College uh, for the annual uh, Writers Conference, Christian Writers Conference, uh, February the 4th. More details about that at Grove City College. We'll talk about that as the conversation goes on. But she just wrote a new piece called All This Useless, Useless Beauty, which works on those themes of the casual beauty and the deep, truthful beauties of this world. Jessica, welcome back to the show. Yes, thank you. I'm enjoying a conversation again with you guys. I love it. Okay, Jessica, so why? What What's the purpose? Why are things beautiful? Well, I think beauty is given to us as a gift. I think it's given to us as a way of acknowledging that our very existence is a gift. And God's graciousness, His grace, grants these things to us. And beauty is a way of pointing us back to the source of that gift, mm-hmm. who's the giver. I love beautiful things. I have a degree in interior design, and I particularly love, I mean, I, I know that mountains are beautiful, nature, the skies, the cosmos, all of that is beautiful. But for some reason, I just personally find things that are made by humans to be beautiful. And I don't mean things that, like everything made by humans, I mean things of craftsmanship, furniture, painting, sculpture, I find those to be just beautiful. In fact, I find them to be so beautiful that I I will go through a day searching desperately for those things because Mm -hmm. I feel like I need I need them to make my day worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So but I I think about this. Um, My wife has a small business. She runs a picture frame business. And so she'll come home and say, this person came in today and this person, and then she'll swipe her phone and show me the images that, was pre- that were presented to her throughout the day to frame. Now, if you're going to frame something, you find intrinsic beauty and value to spend the money to put a special frame to hang it on the wall to gaze at it day after day, year after year. To be honest, Jess- Jessica, some of the things that people want to frame – I look at and I recoil because I think that's not beautiful at all. That's not beautiful to me and I wouldn't spend the money on it, but someone does. Mm -hmm. So beauty is subjective. (laughs) Well, it's not subjective. Just because people have lost their sense of what is beautiful doesn't mean that they're right. (laughs) Oh, go into that. Tell us that. (laughs) Sure. Um, I think we've lost an understanding that beauty is supposed to be transcendent. And therefore, when we find it in things, it's supposed to draw us back to the transcendent source of beauty, right? Kind of a platonic, capitalized B, beauty. And so here we think beauty is in the eye of the beholder. If I say it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Hmm. Well, we can't do the same thing with truth and goodness. I don't know why we think we can do it with beauty, right? We can't just say that a lie is the truth. We can't say that killing is good just because we want it to be. And so the same with beauty. We have to actually train our sense of what is beautiful in the same way that we train our children to understand what is true and to value truth and to understand what is good and value goodness. Okay, that's a bold claim, Jessica. I'll (laughs) tell you right now. I like it a lot. (laughs) Because when we talk about beauty in contemporary culture, it is opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So talk about... Yeah, we, we, oh. think, so we think our opinion is God in almost everything, oh, That's a great right? point. Yes, that's do. a very good point. <laughs> <We> also, <Yeah. laughs> so it's easy for us to also think whatever I want to be good should be good, right? We're, we're at that point. So it just comes to bear on beauty as well. Right, we okay. Think, hey, okay, but part of... Beautiful, uh, beautiful. Yeah, now here, here's the thing, though. I get it when it comes to truth. Okay, but when it comes to beauty, I recoil a little bit against there being against there being standards for it only because I feel like our standards of beauty are are a a result of what we know or what we have experienced. And so because there's always more for us to know and experience that my idea of beauty is right now incomplete. Yes, absolutely. I think all of our ideas on that are incomplete. And that's why we get an entire lifetime to progress and get closer and closer to the highest end, the highest understanding of beauty, truth, and goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I and mean, that's what holiness actually is, right? Holiness is the perfection or completion. Yeah. And the same with beauty. Our sense of beauty is under construction, being perfected. So... If we're going to look at something beautiful, are you so sh- you pick what we what we talk about? Do we talk about sculpture? Do we talk about music? Do we talk about literature? I can actually talk about all three. Fabulous. I think it's I think it's good to go with the extremes that are undeniable, right? There's something that happens in our gut if you imagine someone walking into Notre Dame Cathedral and destroying all the stained glass. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah, right. Something hurts about that, right? right. When you saw um, when you saw the, when it was on, when, when yeah. you saw the, the Notre Dame was on fire, it was on fire, and, you, and, and yeah. everybody's heart broke around right. the world. Yeah. If you've been to Notre Dame or seen photos, oh, yeah. it's, it was crushing the loss of beauty. Yeah, but there's no point to that beauty. You can worship anywhere, right? So right, right. we can't explain it to ourselves, and yet we can feel it. There's something in our hearts that understand that draw of beauty to something beyond itself. Mm-hmm. Right, and we would say someone has a problem if they walk into Notre Dame Cathedral and say, "Ugh, this is ugly." Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. So if and you don't, right. So if you don't, okay. Yeah, beautiful. I get that. Yeah, I get that. I see that. But when it comes to like a work of literature, you've written about uh, Dostoevsky. So I think that right. the Brothers Karamazov is a beautiful story. I think it's a hard story. It was very hard for me to read. Um, mm-hmm. But I appreciate it. I think it's beautiful. I'm not sure that there were maybe there was maybe more than one other person in my senior lit class that agreed with me. Right. Well, and people have been desensitized to what beautiful is. I mean, we're surrounded by a culture of ugliness. Mm-hmm. Most of our buildings are ugly. We're surrounded by billboards and mm-hmm. people destroying what's naturally beautiful. So we become almost immunized where we expect ugliness more than we expect beauty. And so I think we've lost our sense of that. Um, I also think that every single work of beauty is still, in a sense, under construction. Carl Warner said, we only bring to God unfinished symphonies. Mm -hmm. Because everything we're creating here, all that we're making, art, literature, music, we're still fallen creatures making it. So we're trying and we're getting better and better at these things, I hope, as we all learn about what beauty is. But everything's ultimately unfinished and imperfected until 
the kingdom come, right? right. Yeah. Jessica Hooten-Wilson is with us. She's at Grove City College next week, uh, the 4th of February, for the annual Christian Writers Conference. And uh, we encourage you to go to Grove City College and see her schedule. Tuesday, she'll be there. All events are free for the public. So uh, go there and, and uh, talk to Je- Jennifer. You can hear her conversation uh, live and in person. So, Jennifer... Uh, when Cass said, well, you, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about sculpture? Do you want to talk about music? Do you want to talk about art? And he said, well, I can go all three. Well, clearly oh. then, you yourself have educated yourself on the aesthetics of beauty in this world. This has been, I'm not going to speak, I mean, clearly, you've gone after this. You have schooled yourself in the nature of beauty surrounding mm-hmm. you. Well, I've been schooled. I would never say I've schooled myself. I've been schooled by amazing people like David Lyle Jeffrey in art and Jeremy Begbie in music. Um, so I'm trying to receive training from those who've gone before me and have actually learned what is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So then when you encounter beauty, right, that does, mm-hmm. that is, it is transformative to who we are as human beings. It is It nurtures okay. the soul. It lifts us up. It creates wonder and awe and pathos and all these essential things of what it is to be a human being. And at the same time, when you talk about, you know, we're surrounded by ugliness, of course we are. I mean, I mean, I, I go on campus at the University of Pittsburgh. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know, there's, you know, you know that, that <laughs> listen, architectural Listen, style. Forbes Field is this classic baseball park that was a gem in Pittsburgh for, how, for however long, right? I'm not saying it was a gem at the end. I know in a lot of ways it was a dump at the end, but architecturally, it was spectacular. Right. It was replaced by a piece of brutalism, brutalism. that would make yeah. you cry bitter tears. Right. And so, you know, when you when you see that, yeah. when you see architecture, just by its very nature, that it's called brutalism, you go, what was yeah. that all about? What were people thinking? You know, and I lived in New York City for a long time and would, you know, see the photographs of Grand Central Station being torn down, this majesty to rail transportation. And of course, maybe people have learned their lesson that they've, you know, mm-hmm. been less inclined to destroy things of beauty. But... Yeah. What is it about us? We 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 do know it, and you yourself have been schooled. Cause in I, well, because Jessica, because I don't think we agree on it. Well, and so here's, I can do a whole course on this, right? Um, if God transcends our reason, then our ability to understand Him has to be understood outside of reason, right? Extending beyond reason. So it used to be that art was a poetic way of trying to understand God better the things that seemed unreasonable or mysterious. And then along the way, art became political. Right. <laughs> and there's a whole history for that. Right. So instead what art became is how can we scandalize or right. make people uncomfortable? Right. And that's what replaced art. Right. So no right. longer was it a pathway to go back to the source of art, right, and draw human beings upward towards holiness. Now it was how can we shock them out of their complacency? Oh, that's good. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, I remember, for sure. And so it became a political tool. Right. I mean, years ago, I, I was a kid, and I, I treated myself to to go to Europe in a backpack. And I remember going to the Pompidou Center by myself, and I was probably you know twenty two years old, and I saw like you know artwork in air quotes like made out of yarn and pieces of twigs, and I thought, <laughs> heck, I could do that. Right. I mean, there's not there was yeah. nothing there. And I'm not saying art shouldn't make you uncomfortable. I really do think that art should make you uncomfortable in some situations because. If you begin to believe lies or if you begin to become normalized by ugliness, then art might make you uncomfortable. Reading Dostoevsky may not be comfortable because you've been reading so many easy novels that you're like, I can't find that beautiful because I've become habituated to something that was... 
because you're because I'm out of practice. Right. Right. That's what it is. All right. We our, our time's up. Sorry, we Jeff. love talking to Jessica Hooten Wilson, associate professor of literature, John Brown University, and the author of Giving the Devil His Due, Flannery O'Connor, Fyodor Dostoevsky, and Walker Percy, and the Search for Influence. She's in town next week at Grove City College. Look online to see her. GCC.org. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, mm-hmm. phones, mm-hmm. life insurance. Your blood pressure is up. <laughs> Your weight is up. <laughs> You're one to talk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I'm getting dinged just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big Lou! Big Lou can get term life insurance rates for a 50-year-old male with type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe he's on anxiety meds mm-hmm. for just around $200 a month for a million dollars of coverage. Oh, you gotta say that again. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say it. Big Lou and term provider could get a 50-year-old man, a little dinged up, a million dollars in life insurance for around $200 a month. Call Big Lou. Big Lou. He's like you. 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you gotta call Big Lou. Gotta. 800-555-2085. Write it down. 800-555-2085. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. We have a major problem here in Pennsylvania, very much like other addictions plaguing our communities. The threat is unregulated gambling on illegal slot machines, camouflaged as skill games. They're popping up everywhere at gas pumps, pizza parlors, and your local convenience store. State police describe these places as breeding grounds for loan sharking and money laundering. If you object to your community becoming a mini Las Vegas, make your voice heard. Call one 888 472-4418. Report those places that are enticing our kids into gambling disguised as entertainment. It's an activity that siphons money away from the Pennsylvania Lottery, whose proceeds go to supporting seniors in our state. Please phone now. This is serious. That number again is one 472 4418 Paid for by Pennsylvanians Against Illegal Gambling. Executive Board Member Peter Shelley. Upwork has the largest network of independent professionals, like developers, designers, data scientists, you name it. And they're proven, rated, and reviewed. So when you need in-demand talent, on demand, Upwork is how. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. Is that, is, that, is that our beautiful intro? That's beautiful. Thank you. That's what it is. That's what Mike thinks is beautiful. Boodum, boop, boop, booty. That's not beautiful. <laughs> All right, so emotional support animals. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to ban them. Please, please, please. The sooner the better. Okay, people bringing on little miniature ponies, peacocks, right. Right. Ch- you know, what, chimpanzees, you name it. Mm-hmm. Of course, anything good 
can be run into the ground and then ruined. Okay. And that's a good point, right? Anybody can take it to an extreme and wreck it for everyone. Everybody. Okay. So we're talking about the proposed uh, Department of Transportation rule that could ban emotional support animals on planes. Now, here's the thing. Oh, here it comes. If you've got your little quiet puppy and he's going to sit in the little thing in front of you. That's great. You know, I don't think we have any issue with that. I think if you have a well-behaved cat... Fine. Who can do that, which I don't understand, but Put whatever. Put it in the cage. Put right, it right. under your seat. But it's true. The people with the ponies and the lady with the peacock. They just they, ruined it for everybody. They really did. Because people see a little loophole and we're going to exploit it. Look, That's I'm going to fly to Indonesia. I don't want to do that with a couple chickens. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.